This will be the last message in the By Faith series. And uh, we're going to start a brand new series next week. I am incredibly excited about the series we'll start next week. I would deeply encourage you guys to obviously be here, be a part of it, and share uh, any social media stuff we put out and invite people. I believe that the series that we're heading into um, is, is more... It's got more potent power in it, I think, than, than any we've been into in a while. And I just, I'm excited about it. But before, I want to end this series, and I want to end it, quote, unquote, with a bang. This is Hebrews eleven twenty nine, And I want to read this, and then I want to explain the, the spiritual power that really rests in this for our lives today. This is Hebrews eleven twenty nine. It says, by faith, the people, Moses and the Hebrews, crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, they were drowned. So this is one of the most famous stories in all of Scripture. I mean, almost every living person, especially in, in the Western world, uh, has heard of the parting of the Red Sea. I mean, this, there's been major motion pictures made about this movie, ranging from the 50s all the way to just a few years ago. Um, it's, it's one of the most talked about stories. In fact, the, the parting of the Red Sea shows up in other uh, nations' uh, ancient history. I mean, this was, when this happened, and this is one of the things I always tell people, like, you know, like, if you don't believe it happened, that's fine, but everybody in the, in the world at the time, because it shows up in so many other ancient texts and so many other ancient historical texts, the world at the time believed that this happened. So th this is not something that just shows up once. I mean, this was a significant event uh, that, that put God's name on the map all over the world. And in that, and God, I, we shared last week, that was the heart of what God was doing through, through this process. And so I, I don't wanna spend too long on the story itself, but just to catch everybody up, or if you're younger and you just haven't heard this story yet, the heart of what's happening here is, is God has officially set the people of Israel free from Egypt. And so they have left Egypt. They're following Moses. Uh, they, they took all of the treasure and the gold and the silver. They plundered Egypt when they left, and they, they took off. And they were gone for about a day when Pharaoh, uh, after God hardened his heart, changed his mind and Pharaoh started to chase after Israel to enslave them again and to kill those who didn't bend to his will and to his power. And so as, as Moses was leading the people, and we'll get more to this in a minute, God starts to give them some directions that really don't make any sense whatsoever. And Moses winds up uh, coming face to face with the Red Sea, and he's trapped between these two mountains and the sea, and then Pharaoh comes up behind them. And God uh, leads Moses to hold his staff up over the Red Sea, and God sends this massive wind, and it splits the waters, and it creates a wall of water on both sides. So that just the sea just splits. There's dry ground. Moses leads the people of Israel over the dry ground. They get to the other side safely. And then uh, Pharaoh and his army, they attempt to do the same thing. They attempt to cross the Red Sea after God had split it. But once they got in the middle of the sea, God released the wind and the water crashed down upon Pharaoh and the army and he drowned the entire Egyptian army in one foul swoop. And this was the strongest army of the strongest nation in the world at the time. And in, in one moment of time, God wiped out the entire Egyptian army. 
And this did several different things for Moses and the Hebrew people. One, this made them 100 completely percent safe. There was nobody else coming after them. And it also eliminated really the possibility of them going back to Egypt because nobody's gonna accept them after they just destroyed their, their leader, their kings, their husbands, their sons. Like it, it's, it's over. This, this one moment made it almost impossible despite how much the Israelites threatened this. It, it completely devastated and ended their connection and their relationship with Egypt forever, except for what was kind of going on in their heart and their mind. And so this was a crazy, powerful moment. And, and what I want to tell you is that what God did for them physically in that moment is what God is doing spiritually in our lives all the time, even when we don't realize it. And I want to explain that. And before we get to the heart of this, though, we've got to really come to terms with what God was truly doing, freeing the Hebrew people. And I want you to listen to this because what we're about to read and what we're about to talk about, if this was the only thing that you heard today, if this was the only thing that you received from this message, if this was the only thing that you understood and you grasped and you left with, like if, if I talked about this for the next 15 minutes and then we just ended the service and we left, I honestly believe that if you could understand the true heart of God towards the Hebrew people and towards you and towards me, that that would be enough word to radically change our life in a practical way. So I want, I want to read this in Exodus 19. This is three months later, Exodus 19, one through four. This is three months later, but God himself, the reason I'm reading this is because God himself tells us exactly why he was doing what he did. And it, 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 it changed my life when I really began to realize what I'm going to talk about here. And I believe and I hope that it would change your life. And even if you already know it, it will encourage you. This is Exodus 19, one through four. God's telling Moses exactly why he did what he did on that day. On the third new moon, that's three months, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain saying, thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, I want to just for a second, I want to hang on that word or that statement, brought you to myself. This was the heart of God towards his people. He wanted to bring them to himself. This is something that I think gets deeply lost in American Christian religion. I think this is something that gets so lost in our day-to-day -day lives. I think this is something because of legalistic teaching and just because of religion in general uh, and because of so many other factors. I think that what we forget is the heart of God towards us 
in why God has done everything that he's done. God deeply loves you. He deeply cares for you. And he wants you to be with him. This is the heart of why God created the universe. There's a lot of people, and I, and I don't know that I understand why, but there's a lot of theologians and a lot of pastors and a lot of uh, higher ups that have all the degrees and, and people struggle heavily when they start, when you start talking about God creating the universe for you and for me, because they, they have such a God-centered theology, which is a good thing to have, a God-centered theology that it is truly all about God. It's about God's glory. It's about, it's about the worship of God. He's the worthy one. He's the holy, holy, holy one. He is the king of kings in the universe and the world should bow down to God. It is all about God. Yet, God, from God's perspective, God needed nothing. God was totally fine. God did not need us in any way. God was completely content with his relationship with the Son, Jesus, and with his relationship with the Holy Spirit and the fullness of the Trinity, which is so difficult for us to understand and comprehend. But God was fully content without us, and they're 100% right about that. But for me, that speaks even greater volumes that he did not create us out of necessity, but he created us out of pleasure that he decided he wanted to create a universe, that he wanted to create the world and he wanted to bring the world into fruition and then he wanted to design us and make us and bring us in so that he could be with us and we could be with him. I heard an old theologian years and years and years ago say that we are one of God's greatest pleasures, that we are one of God's greatest passions. And I struggled with that and I didn't fully understand that, but the more that I walk with God and the closer that I get to God and the more that I study the scriptures and the more that I learn the word and the more that I see the true heart of God, God desires to be with us. He loves us, he likes us, he accepts us, and he wants to be with us. That's why he created the universe, put us right in the middle of it, and then it said he gave us authority and dominion over it, and then he walked with us. The Bible says that he spent time with Adam and Eve. So I want you to just for a second, I want you to just step out of whatever tradition you grew up in, whatever religion you grew up in, or whatever, if you didn't grow up in church at all, honestly, sometimes that's better to come to Christ later instead of being indoctrinated by religion early in your childhood, honestly, because it does so much damage to people. But I want you to just think about that fact, that no, God didn't need you, but he wanted you. He wanted you. You exist because he did not think the universe was complete without you. If God was done with the universe and he thought that's enough, then you would not be here. But you are. Then we rebelled against him. We sinned against him. Every single person who has ever lived, starting with Adam and Eve, rebelled and disobeyed and broke covenant, broke the, the connection they had with God. And at that moment in time, God could have wiped it in, in full righteousness and in full justice, just destroyed the earth and wiped out all of the human hearts because of the amount of wickedness that is inside of us and that we've done and that we've accomplished. But God so loved us in that moment, that instead of just wiping us out and destroying wickedness altogether, he created a plan to bring about salvation, to deal with our sins, so that we could again be with him and he could be with us. This is what the heart of the gospel is. 
This is what John 3.16 says, that, that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that Jesus Christ, the word of God, who was with God in the beginning and somehow is God, and John 1.14 became flesh and dwelt amongst men, that, that God so loved you even in your sin. He so desired to be with you even in your sin that he sent Christ to pay the price to erase and atone and, and wipe away your sins so that you could again be in an intimate, deep, genuine relationship with him, that you could be in his presence and that he could be in your presence. I talked a little bit about this part of it at the men's retreat, the, the heart of God towards you. And I want you to think about what Jesus said that he's doing right now. Jesus is doing a lot. But one of the things that, that he told the disciples, he says that I'm gonna go away to do what? To prepare a place for you. So when I say that God deeply loves you, that God deeply likes you, that God wants to be with you, I need you to understand that in, in Exodus 19, one through four, what God is saying, the reason, one of the primary reasons that he did everything that he did in Egypt was that he could bring the Hebrew people to himself. God wants to be with you. God wants a relationship with you. God doesn't want you to just have a moment at an altar when you're 12 and then just see him again in heaven after you die. Everything that God has done from creating the world to sacrificing Jesus on the cross to filling you with the Holy Spirit to working in your life and preparing a place for you in heaven, everything that God has done has proven, A, that he loves you, B, that he likes you, and C, that he wants to be in your presence and he wants you to be in his presence. That is the heart of God towards you. Where I think that we get confused is we struggle sometimes with some of the language in the Bible and the way that some people teach it and lay it out there that God is just consistently angry with you, that God is just mad at you about your sins, that God's just trying to, he's, he's gonna punish you because of all the things he's done for you and yet you still sin. And, and there's all this legalistic like junk that's just kind of poured on us over and over and over again. And the thing that I need you to understand what the Bible actually teaches, the next time you ever hear a legalistic preacher stand up and uh, preach crap to you, I want you to say God does not punish Christians because the punishment that we deserve, the wrath that we deserved was laid out on Jesus Christ once and for all. There is no more punishment left for those who have put their faith in Jesus. There is no wrath left for those who have put their faith in Jesus. Jesus absorbed all of that righteous wrath upon the cross. He bore sin. He who knew no sin bore all the sins of all of history and the wrath of God was laid out on him. There is no more wrath for those who have put their faith in Christ. But what Christ does and what the Father does, like a loving Father in Hebrews, at times, for your own good, he will use difficulty in your life as discipline to drive things out and to shape you and to transform you into the image of Jesus. But he's no longer looking to punish you. This is why I think this is so important. God is looking to finish what he started in your salvation. He's looking not to crush you, not to kill you, not to punish you, but he's looking to set you utterly and completely free from what was in your life. And so with that in mind, 
I want us to go back to the Red Sea moment because everything that God is doing physically in their lives is a spiritual representation of what God desires to do and is doing in your life at all times. So I want to go back because there's a couple things that don't make any sense to me or to the people of Israel or to Moses. In Exodus 14, now I don't have time to get all the maps out because I know some people love maps. Raise your hand if you love maps. Okay, oh, I didn't think that people would raise their hand. Okay, great. (laughs) Full disclosure, I don't love maps. I was making a joke. But I am very, very glad that you love maps. And now that I know there's so many people that love maps, next time I preach a message that will involve maps, I'll use maps, okay? But if, if we were to get all the maps, and all the map people already know this probably, if we were to get maps out and we were to look at, at, at the, the exit plan uh, that, that God orchestrated for Egypt, I mean, for the Israelites to come out of Egypt, you would see that God's GPS was broken, that it didn't make any sense. He kept recalculating them and, and it was, they were getting farther and farther away from the direction they were supposed to go. And they were getting farther and farther away from things that looked familiar and things that made sense. And all of a sudden, they found themselves hemmed in, shut in, and trapped. And so I'm gonna read this in Exodus 14, uh, one through four. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Phi Harith, between Migdal and the sea, in front of Bel Zephon, you shall encamp facing it by the sea. Now, again, if we had maps, I would show you that they are supposed to go this way or this way, but God had them go this way. (laughs) And they eventually landed trapped in the Red Sea between these two mountains and no exit plan because then Pharaoh comes up on their exit. In verse three, it says, for Pharaoh will save the people of Israel. They are wandering in the land The wilderness has shut them in and I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. So it would be easy for us to judge them here in this moment. Because here they are after everything they've seen God do, after the power that God has showed them, after God has kept his word and kept his promises up to this point, that that they would somehow have some trust for God. But the only one that's really trusting God is Moses. And when, when they realized that they're hemmed in, and they realized that God had kind of sent them in this, this weird pattern to get them trapped in this moment, and then Pharaoh comes up behind them, they are confused. They are disheartened and they're coming to Moses and they're like, didn't we tell you that this is what would happen if we trusted you and if we trusted God, if we went this way, didn't we tell you that eventually Pharaoh would just kill us all? Like, why didn't you just leave us in Egypt? Or there are no graves in Egypt. Like, like, did we have to go through all of this process to come out here and die right here? There's no faith, there's no trust, they're confused because they have no idea 
what God is truly doing. Now, this is the part where I, just for a second, I want you to know something. This is what the difference between Moses' perspective and the people's perspective. Moses knew God, truly. Moses knew the heart of God. Moses knew that God was good. Moses knew that God deeply loved them. Moses knew that there was nothing but mercy with God. Moses knew that whatever God was doing was going to be what was best for them because he truly knew the heart of God, that God was a loving, powerful God, but that he cared deeply for them and that God would not orchestrate all of this for them to die right here, that God would finish what he started. So Moses wasn't scared and Moses had nothing but trust and faith. But the people, now I want you to listen to me because I'm about to say something in a minute. But the people, they did not know the heart of God. They, they just knew the power of God. They didn't know that God was good. They didn't know how much God loved them. They didn't know that God's entire purpose for this was to bring them to themselves because God didn't tell them that until three months after this fact. So this is the difference, and I want you to hear me. This is the difference between people who know the heart of God and people who don't know the heart of God. Because when you don't know the heart of God and you go through certain things in your life, you may start to think because some redneck preacher screamed at you when you were a child this, that he's just he's gonna punish you and he's gonna slam you down and he's gonna break your back and he's gonna get you and he's gonna go and he's gonna, and just, I don't know why I keep doing that. And you, you, you have an you unhealthy fear of God and you, you don't, you don't, you have, you're just encoursed and drained in religion. And when you don't know the heart of God and you don't know how much he loves you and you don't know how much he wants to be with you and he, you, don't, you don't know that everything that he does is for your good and for his glory, then when you start to go through difficult seasons of life or you find yourself in a situation like this, your natural response is to start thinking like the Israelites were thinking. God hates me, God's gonna kill me. Why didn't he just let me stay there? It would have been better that I just lived my life in sin and had a blasty blast until I died rather than go through all this. And, and there's just all these negative emotions and all these negative thoughts. There's no trust, there's no faith. Sometimes there's confusion, sometimes there's anger towards God, sometimes there's anger towards yourself, there's hurt, there's just, it's just not a good place to be. But that's only because they didn't know the heart of God and more importantly, they didn't know the heart of God towards them. But when you know how much God truly loves you and when you know God's heart towards you and you know the mercy and the grace and you know that God's ultimate desire is to be with you and you to be with him, that that's why he created you, that that's why he sent Christ to die for your sins and that's why he's preparing a place for you in heaven. That's why he filled you with his spirit and specifically one of the roles of the spirit is to testify to your spirit that you can cry out to God, Abba, Father, that he's your father now and that you're his son and you're his daughter. If you don't know all that in a fullness and you don't know all that in a real practical way, you could perceive seasons of life in a very inaccurate way. And you think God's trying to punish me or God's not here or God's not working in this or God's not there versus where Moses was like, no, God's 100% here. And no, I don't really understand what he's doing right now, but I know that he's good and great and powerful and whatever he's doing, it's gonna be for our good. And so I, I, want, I want us to see what Moses says in Exodus 14, 13 through 14. 
It says, Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the, Egyptian, the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. So this is, this is what Moses turned around and he said. He said, I know the heart of God and I know that you don't yet, but I want you to understand what God's doing. I know, Moses is like, I know what God's doing. God is about to take out the biggest threat of your life. God has orchestrated all of this moment to eliminate the greatest threat in your life. Yes, we should have probably gone north. That would have made more sense. But instead, God took us down this way and he's hemmed us in. And you think that we're hemmed in for negative reasons. You think that it's you that's trapped. But in reality, he says to the Hebrew people, it's not you that's trapped. It's Pharaoh and his army that's trapped. And I want you to turn around and I want you to look at that army and I want you to see. Because what you see now, you will never see again. And then God turns around or God tells Moses to turn around and lift up the staff and the waters part. And they begin to walk across on the other side. And when they turn around, and Pharaoh and his Egyptian army tries to cross, God crushes them under the weight of the waves and they all drown and they watch the only threat left to their life be crushed under the weight of the water and crushed under the weight of God's works in their life. What God did for them physically in that moment, God is doing spiritually in your life. Remember, God said, I'm bringing you, I'm, I'm lifting you up like on eagle's wings and I'm bringing you to myself. But what he needs you to understand this morning is that there are things that are in your life that are a threat to you. They're a threat to your holiness. They're a threat to God's will for your life. They're a threat to your marriage. They're a threat to the intimacy that you have with God. They're a threat to your children. They're a threat to your future. They're a threat to your purpose. In everything that God is doing, God makes a promise, what I start, I will finish. And so what he started in your salvation, he will finish. Your salvation was you being forgiven of all of your sins. Your sanctification is God freeing you from all of those sins. And God will take you through moments and situations through the course of your life where he will lift up and he will expose those sins that are most deepest, darkest, and hidden in you. And he has to walk you through this because where God's taking you, your sin cannot go. And the great things that God has planned for your life, he knows and he understands that he can't take you to that place yet until these things are dealt with. And so when you're going through life and things get confusing or things get difficult, I want you to remember and I want you to understand these three things. God deeply loves you and he wants to be with you and he wants you to be with him. That's number one. Number two, there are things in your life that simply cannot go with you into the future. 
and there are sins in your heart that cannot come with you into what God has planned for you. And so God will orchestrate, this is number three, God will orchestrate moments and even seasons in your life to expose what is in your heart so that he can drive it away from you, so that it's no longer a threat to you, and it's no longer a threat to his will for your life, and it's no longer a threat to the things and the people that you love the most. This is what God does over and over and over again. And I want to just, for a second, I want to just share this reality in my own life. Over the last year, uh, through a series of, of things, the Lord, well, let me just start like this. Do you ever think, do you ever have a season where you feel like you've, you've accomplished something or you've, you've, you've conquered something, you had victory over something, and maybe months or years go by, and then all of a sudden it just jumps back out? Is anybody, am I the only one that, that still struggles? So everybody's a liar. Okay, good. Just want to make sure. Just want to make sure. Uh, <laughs> there are certain things in my life, and, and I'm not going to go into great detail, that I put behind me a long, long, long time ago. But over the last year, uh, back in, I think it was February of last year, I, I went away uh, just to be with the Lord for a couple days. And when I was there, the Lord took me to a chapter in Corinthians where he talks about sin. And there's, there's, there's this line that says, take heed lest you fall. And I, I was fasting, I was praying for a couple days, and, and I got to this one verse. And as I read this one verse, I began to kind of tremble because I felt like, I felt like that verse was written to those who felt like they had put certain things behind them and that they were no longer a concern anymore. They were no longer a threat anymore. And as I began to pray over that day, the Lord began to speak to me just through his word, but to prepare my heart that I would be going through a season of difficulty that he would use to expose sin that was in my life or sin that was in my heart. I believe there's, if you go through and you read the rest of that scripture in Corinthians, it says that God is faithful and that you will never be tempted beyond what you can bear. <laughs> Meaning that God will not allow you to face a temptation that you can't walk away from. And that's a great thing. But what I realized over the last year as I began to walk through some of these darker moments in my life was that God, what I thought was gone, was still present. But God knew that if I faced those temptations, I wasn't strong enough to overthrow them, which is why I did not face them for so many years. But now God wanted to deal with this thing that was still in my heart and still in my life. And so he brought me through several situations. One, I didn't sleep for close to three months. It was the most miserable three months of my entire life. I would maybe get two or three hours asleep at night, if that. And about every four days, I would feel absolutely insane. And then I would maybe have a five-hour night's sleep. And, and it was just miserable. And we were going through all kinds of deals with the school and the county. It was some of the most stressful 
three or four months I had ever experienced in my life. I'm just being honest with you. And as I began to walk through this, I started to face these temptations that I had not faced in years and years and years. And what I began to realize through that process was the Lord was showing me what was truly still in my heart. And I, I went through these several weeks where I just began to repent. And I just began to lay it out there and I just began to give it to God and I just, and I just felt worthless a little bit. I was like, man, here I am being a pastor and my wife and my children and all these people, they, they trust me and I've still got this thing in my heart that I thought was gone. And, and as I just started to walk through that, I, the Lord had to expose that in my life so that I could bring it to him and that I could deal with it and that I could truly repent of it and I could truly lay it down before him. And it wasn't that God was trying to make me feel worthless. It wasn't that God was trying to hurt me. It wasn't that God was trying to scare me. It wasn't that God was, was trying to show me what a sinner I was. It was that God was saying, I'm about to take you somewhere new and this cannot go with you. There's something I have for you in the future. There's a new season but this right here cannot go with you. And so we're gonna sit right here in this moment, whether that's an hour or that's six weeks or that's three months, and we're gonna work through this until I drive this out of your life so that you can experience even more freedom, even more peace, even more joy. And I can sit here and I can tell you without going into the details of it, that there was a miserable three-month period last year but that what God freed me from, I would thank him for the rest of my life. And so I'm, what I want you to hear me say is that when it talks about Moses having faith to cross the Red Sea, and when the Egyptians tried to do the same, they were drowned. It takes significant faith to walk through the sanctification or the transformation process with God because God is gonna use things and orchestrate things in your life to where you have to trust him to move forward while he stops the darkness of our hearts from going with us. And sometimes that is a confusing situation. Sometimes it's a difficult situation. Sometimes it's a hurtful situation. But that everything that God allows and that everything that God orchestrates and everything that God uses the end of this story is always gonna be you on the other side in the presence of God with more freedom, with more peace, with more joy, and with more power. And so as you walk through your life and you deal with life and work and job and marriage and kids, I want you to know no matter what you're going through, God is not punishing you. God loves you. And he's gonna use every single moment and difficulty and hardship that you face, he's gonna use it to fulfill his purpose in your life that is always going to result in goodness. And so I would encourage you, when you find yourselves in moments like this with confusion or difficulty, I hope that you can lean on this message and not be like the people of Israel who didn't know the heart of God. Because when you don't know the heart of God, the only thing you can really go to is fear. 
but we could be like Moses. Now we do know the heart of God and we know that he's doing everything that he's doing because he wants to be with us. But there are certain things in our life that cannot come along on that journey. And so there has to be pit stops like the Red Sea to stop and break that sin off as we move forward into our future. And with God, there is always a future and there is always a hope. No matter where you are or what you're going through, if you're breathing, there is a hope and a future in your relationship with God. Amen.